Welcome to another episode of Breaking into Cybersecurity Leadership Edition. Today, we have Dwayne Gran, who is joining us to share his experiences as a cyber leader. Dwayne, what made you decide to become a leader versus staying an individual contributor? Well, I think that in the first off, it maybe sort of feel like blushing a little bit at the at the question because I think that, you know, one of my views about leadership is that somebody doesn't have to give you sort of permission to, to do it. Um, it was sort of a revelation that I felt that I had something to, to sort of contribute to help out in the community and that I, that I wanted to. And I started to kind of post a little bit more on LinkedIn about some experiences or nuggets, lessons learned. And it was mostly to collect my own thoughts. But then I started to see that it resonated with others and that kind of created a, a sort of positive feedback cycle. And as you grew in your cybersecurity leadership journey, what were some of the critical skills that helped you along the way? So um, probably, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big believer that empathy is the sort of, sort of superpower or necessary skill to start to, because if you're, if you have staff who are reporting to you, or you're trying to set some, some vision for how a security program operates and interfaces within the business, you can't uh, be successful with it if you're thinking of security as security for security's sake. You you have to understand the other. So that other is the lines of business, why the business exists to make revenue, which helps you to avoid becoming the department of no in security. And among your staff, understanding what what motivates them. Are we going to burn out our security operations center with alert fatigue, or are we going to distribute a certain amount of their workload on interesting threat hunting tasks to keep, you know, to keep engaged? And do we take time to ask, hey, what, what really uh, kind of motivates you? What makes you, you know, engaged in, in your work in security? So that's where I, I always come back, sort of empathy, trying to see the impact of security uh, strategy as it affects other people. Okay. okay. And as you think about your comfort level with delegation, collaboration, and communication, how do you rate yourself and how critical do you think they are? Well, I'll admit delegation, I'm, I'm kind of a three. I'm not, I'm not a great delegator. And there's what, what I aspire to be with delegation is a sort of person who delegates authority and not necessarily delegates tasks. And so that's been my personal growth effort. Typically, I have delegated delegated the tasks, or or I failed to delegate them, and I'm and I'm taking on too much too much myself. And I tell people I'm too I'm too busy to show you how to do this, even though it'll pay dividends back. And I think many of us have been there. So I'm I'm a I'm a recovering do it aller like like many of us. But where I really want to grow, so I'm I'm I feel like I'm kind of in the mid in the midpoint. I'm not an information hoarder. Those are the people who'd be like the ones and twos. But so. That's where that is. Uh, remind me the the sec the second collaboration. Collaboration. I feel like I'm more more on the the four side, and because I I you know I believe on this that if you, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if if you want to go far, go together. And that's kind of relates to the delegation. Like if you you have something that you need to do, the quick way to get from point A to point B, just do it yourself. You judge, jury, executioner, and all that. But you're gonna reach you're gonna reach limits. So. I feel I feel like I'm I'm a good I'm a good collaborator, but I've worked with some people who are 
awesome collaborators that just have a, a talent for knowing that some somebody in the room is sort of quiet, but will be an ace that they kind of are able to draw them out. I'm, I'm not there yet, but I recognize the, the that kind of difference. And then the last one, I believe communication. Yeah. As long as, as long as I don't totally uh, stumble up what I'm talking about here, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to put my neck out and say, that's where I've got my five. Everybody ought to have something that they feel they're very good at. Before this, for this session, I was, I was having a conversation with my, my kids about writing and I was explaining a a writing, they, they just finished the end of semester, you know, papers that they're doing. And they said something, wow, gosh, I had to get it, you know, five pages. And then I explained to them, well, that's, that's good for where you're at right now. You're, you're achieving the quantity of writing and making it cohesive. And I said, really good writing or communication is where you feel like you could have written 10 pages, but that you made the five pages really matter. And for, as an example, a recent summary of some risks and uh, remediations that I, I wrote for the business, what I did when I was done with it, I made it about 20% shorter. That's my signal when I know my communication is, 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 is dialed in when, when I'm making, making it more concise. If it keeps getting longer, I'm probably doing something wrong and I, and I reevaluate. So that's, that's the point on written communication, but so it's, I've, I've, I've said before in security, I feel like the, the key skills, the, the two C's, curiosity and communicate that you can do, you do those, you, you're, you can be awesome in this industry. I, I love adding the, the curiosity in there. And speaking about curiosity, as, as you're curious, I'm curious how you influence others and how critical you think that is. Well, the, a lot of times, I mean... I'll try to see if I can come up with some specific examples, but to, to, but to speak generally of it first, one of the challenges that we have in this, in this field is that we're often in a business that the security team and there's IT, sales, marketing, what, you know, what have you that, well, they don't report to us. They, they're, they're not beholden to us. And we have to have conversations with them in, involving us in, in the process. And we can weekend. But at the end of the day, we've all kind of experienced being told to kind of walk, take that long walk off the short pier where, where we're not really in their line of line of authority. So you have to influence, you have to, you know, make an impact. So to give an example on this is that I have influenced software development teams to, to do more continuous integration and patch management that the, the increase in velocity actually is helpful that the the number of days weeks months that something unpatched increases the anxiety that that something will go wrong if you're if you're regularly doing it you feel more you more confident so i used examples about how using source control increases confidence so i try to influence in that direction with business uh, groups I would uh, talk about doing privacy impact assessments early on when we would have some proposed procedural change or uh, kind of software acquisition or project, uh, basically uh, pointing out how that it is so much easier to, to bake in privacy and security strategy at the beginning of the projects than it is afterwards to sort of say, how can we change this to start masking the sensitive information as an example. And once they saw that in, that in action, 
they were believers and started started championing doing privacy impact assessments to their their other peers at the business. So those are examples of of influence because I I don't wield the hammer to just say uh, you're gonna you're gonna do it. Most of us most of us don't uh, have have quite that that authority. You know, good on you if you you've been so blessed, but. I say influence is is important and you'll get more of it if you emphasize that your job is to help people to work safely. Love that. Work safely. Introducing it as a, a different type of analogy for them to understand. As you consider your career, how critical would you say networking is as a skill? Networking with people, not computers, to your career and why? Well, I had a career change here in the last the last year, moving from one company to another. And the honest truth is I had sort of neglect, neglected the network. A lot of my connections on LinkedIn were years old and I was kind of, I wasn't exactly sort of cruise control, but I just, it wasn't, it wasn't nurtured. I, I learned sort of firsthand how that having that sort of stale was, was difficult in the job search. So it's most, most people I've talked to when I ask them about their experience of getting a job, uh, they're going to explain, they're going to tell you that so-and-so that I knew, he made an introduction, which I had to, had to do the interview. I had to actually bring the goods, but I got, I got to the table and had a chance to tell my stand. That is the, the biggest limiter is that going through the applicant tracking system, if you're but networking isn't just about, I think, um, getting a new job. So I think, I think it's hugely important if you're in career transition, but networking is also recently, I joined an organization called the CISO society where they, it's kind of invite only. I'm kind of, uh, very, very happy about that, but what's really kind of cool is being in a group of an organization where you can ask, Hey, has anybody had experience with vendor X? And, uh, and of course, you know, you ask five people, you get seven opinions, but they are opinions that are, that are informed versus, you know, living in Gartner quadrants and uh, click, clickbait search engine optimization answers as you start to search around. So trying to having a network that provides you some a candid sounding board professionally, I, I think is also hugely important. With that, I've been in many a Slack and Discord where you get a lot of insightful information that you would not otherwise find on the more public web. Thinking about a cybersecurity individual listening to this in the future, what advice would you give them with regards to... Well, kind of to what I sort of said at the beginning is nobody has to give you permission to lead. It's, there isn't a, there isn't a sort of a you know, a writing in the sky or sort of bells that, that that alarm. And it reminds me of authors that I've spoken with who would explain that they, they didn't write a book about a subject because they knew everything about it. In fact, the process of writing the book illuminated what they, they had to learn to, to finish it. So don't, don't wait to be perfect to, to decide that you have something to contribute and that you can sort of speak up in some kind of circumstance to say, I believe that the direction we should go uh, in my in our company and our team in this industry at large should be should be the following. There will be disagreements. Let's let them be informed. Informed. I, I love s smart people who disagree with me, and I actively see, seek them out to, to be sharper. 
So it doesn't mean, and I think the other thing is that leadership is not necessarily about trying to accumulate followers or a sort of ego stroke. The, some of the, the topics that I've shared and I'm happy to share, if no one ever took notice or sort of or appre appreciated it, I still would have benefited from writing and sharing those, those thoughts. And, I'll, and, I, and to the extent possible, I try to uh, write as if there is, is no right and share the perspectives as if there's no one listening or say dance as if no one's watching. I love that analogy. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and for sharing your insights on these topics. Happy to have the discussion. I really enjoyed all the content that you share, Christoph. It's I've really, I've benefited from it and I thank you too.